On a hill far away Stood an old rugged cross The emblem of suffering and shame And I love that old cross Where the dearest and best For a world of lost sinners was slain So I'll cherish the old rugged cross Till my trophies at last I lay down I will cling to the old rugged cross And exchange it someday cross I will ever be true it's shame and reproach gladly bear and you'll call me someday to that home far away where his glory forever I'll change singing with his choir so I cherish the old rugged cross Till my throat is at last I lay down Everybody sing I will cling to the old rugged cross And exchange it someday Today's Friday. Got up today. The calendar said it's Friday. Welcome to the show. Show's called Let's Talk. My name is Mike, and this episode or this podcast is What Book Is Your Name In? It's a good question, huh? So, you know, <laughs> once again, I go through the news stories and things like that, um, you know, to just get a few things to talk about. And I got to tell you, it just really, you know, one thing after another. And I, I, I sometimes don't even want to do it because it, it disturbs me. <laughs> but that being the case, let's make it happen, Captain. Um, the, uh, I'm sorry, I'm multitasking here. Give me just a second. And now I'm done multitasking. Multitasking. Yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> so, let's say our prayer. We'll get started with the show. Oh, by the way, my email address, letstalkmike1 at gmail.com. Letstalkmike, the number one, at gmail.com. All right, we're ready. Dear Heavenly Father, there are no words to sufficiently say how grateful, how grateful, Lord, we are for all the love and all the grace and all the mercy that you have on us 
as undeserving as we are, Lord. We just thank you so much that your love is greater and your mercy is unending. We call on you, Father, I do this day that the Holy Spirit that is in all of us, I pray that it be with my heart, my tongue, and my mind at this time so that your word, your truth, and you get the glory. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. First scripture, Romans chapter 8, verse 38, and it says this. This is written by Paul. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers nor things present, nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, I don't know if I ever told you about Paul. Paul was, uh, at one time, before he became a believer, <laughs> talk about non-believers, he was out persecuting and chilling and, you know, convicting and so forth Christians. He hated them. And then, of course, he had quite the experience on the trip to Damascus. You can read about that in the book of Acts. So for Paul to say, I am persuaded, that's a big statement on his part. And then what he goes on to list are, you know, to him, there's nothing that stands before him and God. And that's the way our relationship can be. Nothing stands before us and God. The only thing that would get in the way is our own, you know, weaknesses and our lack of faith, which happens it's not a you know big surprise. It happens. And so we know that regardless of our issues, you know, lack of faith and so forth and so on, God is always, 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 always there. And we just give him the thanks for it. So I can't believe, you know, well, I guess I can believe when I read this story because, you know, it's coming from <laughs> this administration. So the Biden Department of Justice is completely and fully weaponized. But here's what happened. Fully weaponized against a pro-lifer for protecting his son against angry planned parenthood activists. Get that. So here's the story. A pro-life Catholic who sidewalk counsels outside of Planned Parenthood, so apparently he stands outside on the sidewalk and he talks to people about, you know, their decision and what it can mean. And, of course, you know, leading them to Jesus Christ so that they don't make this decision. So anyways, outside Planned Parenthood was just arrested by Joe Biden's Department of Justice for shoving an angry Planned Parenthood activist away from his son, Get this, after the activist threatened his son. <clears throat> I think it's plain to see this is nothing more than another example of how deranged these individuals are that, you know, constitute, make up the vast majority of the left. It's just every time, you know, so they just don't know how to, <laughs> I don't know, the words, I can't get the words, so I'm going to skip it. But anyway, so, you know, this individual threatens his son, and he protects his son. So this is what happened. 
He was arrested over this past weekend. He's a father of seven. Mark Houck is, is, is his name, H-O-U-C-K. He was never, now listen, he was never charged by the Philly DA because they didn't think he did anything wrong. He was just defending his son. He has a right to do that. You know, I mean, here it is, right? Defending our rights, not according to Joe Biden and his cronies. So a lawsuit against Hauk filed by the activist was thrown out of court. But Biden and his DOJ, they decided they'll use some arcane law about violating the freedom of access to clinic entrances and assaulting a reproductive health care clinic escort to make Hauk pay for protecting his son. Listen, I know for a fact this man don't stand in, doesn't stand in front of the doorway, doesn't physically restrain them. He talks to them. He's like counseling them. All right? They don't want to hear it. They can just walk away. But this individual apparently decided to go after this man's son. So, you know, the woman, the woman, his wife, Ryan Marie, described the moment 20 to 30 armed FBI agents showed up to their house to arrest her husband. She says that her, in her entire front yard, you could barely see it. It was covered in cars and trucks. Listen, this, is, this was not a federal crime according to the lawyer that's representing the family. Not a federal crime. They've taken an innocent man and made an example of him to make an example to pro-life and people of faith across the country. Once again, the Biden Department of Justice and also now the IRS are fully weaponized against their political enemies. And I gotta say, I fall in that category. So wouldn't be surprised if someday... I get a knock on the door. So speaking of these kinds of issues, out of World Net Daily, I read that Obama says racism is fueling the Republican agenda, quote unquote, to secure the border. So he contends that we are making, or Republicans are making, a big issue of immigration in the midterms. And the reason we're doing it is not because it's a real issue, not because it needs to be taken care of, not because of, you know, any other thing that would risk the safety and so forth of the, of the public. No, he says it's because the party's base is racist. You get it? We need to be truthful here. The, tr- the, the chief concerns about illegal immigration, the threats to national security community, personal safety, jobs, the economy, public education, and social services. These issues are shared by people of all backgrounds and colors, not just, you know, (laughs) I guess most of the Republicans are white, so, you know, there's that. But the thing is, this is an individual, Biden, or uh, Obama, (laughs) it's hard to say the difference, Oh, anyways, so, you know, Obama, here's a man that ran for president on the uh, platform that he was going to unify the country and create a more harmonious relationship between people and all these different promises that he made about that sort of thing, and it never happened. The exact opposite happened. I want to explain something to you. The Democratic Party, if you didn't know this, was responsible 
for slavery in the South prior to the Civil War. The Democrat Party was adamant about keeping slavery. Now, with that being said, (laughs) they turn around and say the Republicans are racist. Well, Lincoln was a Republican. Maybe I got my history wrong. I doubt it. (laughs) You, You know, no, he was a Republican. And yet these are the lies and the misrepresented historical facts that they produce, and then they put it out, and the media sucks it up and reports it, all distorted and unfactual. And everything we say, or, you know, not we say, but the Republicans, you know, is nothing but a bunch of lies and untruths, and we're trying to deceive the people. It's just really, it's a big... A pile of dung, and I just hope that people realize and understand come this November that we got to flush these people out of Washington and get on with the business of our country. So, with that being said, let's do it. You know, another. So, the Postal Service caught tracking mail of Second Amendment advocates. Mm-hmm. You know, the agency that can't deliver my mail on time or loses it, and so forth and so on. So these guys, so they apparently have the inability to do their job as far as mail, but they have the wherewithal and whatnot to start spying on people. Remember that, please, remember that. You know, the problem is is that there's no checks and balances in Washington right now with this administration. They're not even concerned in any way, for any reason, over what they're doing being absolutely illegal. Speaking of which, Biden now has to backtrack on his forgiving the student loan debt issue because he's being sued. And I said this the other day. I talked about it on my last show. Guess what? (laughs) So, you know, see, this is what happens when you get together or you come together or even singularly, you know, and and you push back. Because I guarantee you, nine times out of ten, especially when you go with a legal challenge, they're going to buckle. Just be ready for a fight, you know, and, a, you know, a slew of false accusations and so forth and so on and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But the point is, you know, don't be afraid to stand up and fight them. Let's look at another scripture, John 1, verse 12 through 13. And it says, But as many as received him, which is Jesus, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Jesus said, if you don't believe, you know, like in me by looking at me and so forth and so on, And what I'm telling you and showing you, at least believe in my name. That's a start. So I go on, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Beautiful stuff there. So, name of the show, what book is your name in? Let's get started. God's righteous judgment is a stumbling block to many in our day. We live in a world where all behaviors and choices 
must be acceptable for everyone. That's a whole different issue, right? But you, you, you see it? To have any moral objection to a person's choices or behavior is deemed to be hatred and bigotry. Look at the, the guys being arrested for, you know, down there at the Planned Parenthood. These individuals perform an act of, you know, violence against this guy's son. And when he defends his son, he's the one that's going to prison. Listen, this is the reason God is rejected by these people. Because they want to behave and they want to make choices that are contrary to the morals and the, and the statutes and so forth to God. It's, you know, plain to see. The curious thing about this is that those who reject God do so by rendering judgment against him. Figure that. They render judgment against him for his moral standards over his own creation. The other, you know, <laughs> so it's my ball you play by my rules. It's my creation. I'm the ball. Yeah, you know, I mean... So anyways, <laughs> I don't have a lot of time to get into things here, but because I played a whole song. The Old Rugged Cross, by the way, I forgot to mention that in the beginning. Um, one of my favorites. I grew up in that kind of music, you know, in church. And uh, I just, I could listen to it all day. I don't mind some of the modern stuff, some of it, not all of it. But I'll tell you, nothing like a piano and the song, hey, there you go. So the other thing, um, back to the show, about this is that rejecting God based on his definitions of acceptable behavior and the consequences for failure in these areas, it ignores the fact that within these standards is provision for all to become acceptable to him. So you see, they take what he, you know, the behaviors and so forth that he, he, he requires or he says we should have, and by rejecting those, we don't even get close enough to be able to realize the provisions for our salvation are right there. And that's a terrible thing. Receiving him and becoming children of God allows us to personally escape the judgment of God. And it's not the kind of thing where you go, oh, I'll receive him and then just still live my life the way I want to, but at least I, you know, I'll escape the judgment. That's not how it works, and it says so in the Bible. If you're repenting, if you're, you know, truly, uh, you know, wanting to live and be a son of God or a child of God, then, you know, when you repent, that's a change of life. That's a change of mind. That's a change of heart. Okay? So slowly but surely, you make a, you know, make a U-turn and turn back to God. This, however, is not through, you know, um, God doesn't turn a blind eye to our errors, nor is it him compromising his righteous judicial nature by overlooking our transgressions and sins. It can't be done. This is, listen to this. I want you to pay it, you know, listen to this real close. Isaiah 53, verse 5 through 6. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The, and he is Jesus. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, now these stripes... This is the flight, the, uh, the flagrant, the flagrant. 
I can't remember the name. I'm sorry. Anyways, the... Well, I'm losing it here. I'm sorry. The Cat of Nine Tails. So it was a, a, a rod that had nine leather straps on it. And at the end of each strap was a metal shard or a sharp rock that had the ability to rip and tear into flesh. These are the stripes that they're talking about. Jesus was just flogged beyond belief for us. So it goes on to say, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him, this is Jesus, the iniquity of us all. So here we are, undeserving, unrepentant, so forth and so on. And here he is calling out to us. Look what I did for you, because I love you. I had to satisfy my father's rules and the laws. I had to, I had to bring justice to you and righteousness through me. And the only way I could do that was being crucified. What an amazing God. You see, it goes on in 50, Isaiah 53, 10 through 11 to say, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. Not a physical seed. He didn't marry Mary Magdalene. It's the spiritual seed. He shall prolong his days, which means he's not going to remain in the grave. Jesus was resurrected after three days, just like he said. And it goes on to say, And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. So God will see what Jesus has gone through on our behalf, and he'll be satisfied. And it finishes off by saying, By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many for he shall bear their iniquities. There's a day of judgment, as I said, coming for us, all believers and non-believers. Here's the thing. There's a huge difference in the judgments because for as many as received him, that's scripture, the judgment for their sins and iniquities has been satisfied through the body and blood of Jesus shed for the whole world on the cross. So that's for those who have received them. So what is the judgment that awaits as many as received him if Christ bore the judgment for our sins? It says in 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That's no, no questions, no exceptions. That everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that which he had done, whether it be good or bad. So every single thing we have done, actually, you can even go back to the very moment you were born, when you came into this world, every single thing about you and concerning you has been, well, talk about surveillance, it's been recorded in heaven. There's a book with your life in it. Everything you said and did, good and bad, is in that book. You see? So... This judgment that they're talking about here that, um, uh, in 2 Corinthians 5, this judgment is, is not the one that determines eternal destinies. That actually is when we accept Jesus as our Savior. That determines our eternal destiny. This judgment is one of assessing our works before God as believers in him. 
So there's the things we did before we were believers, and then there's the things we did after we're believers. Now, the, the point is our sin debt has been marked, paid in full, and God's righteous judgment has been satisfied through the blood of his Son. So by seeking and asking for forgiveness for our sins, and that can be every, it should be, every day, maybe multiple times throughout the day, that we, when we recognize sin, we confess it and ask forgiveness. And God is always, always, always forgiving. So it's been satisfied through the blood of his son, so our sin has been paid in full. Now those people, here's the other side, who have said in their heart, I will not accept the God who does not accept me as I am, nor will I accept an imposed moral standard and the beliefs that go against what I think. You know, there's a judgment waiting for them too. Now, these are the kind of people, you know, like what's her name there? Lady Gaga, I was born this way and so forth. And they flaunt their sin in the world. I mean, there's myriads of them, right? Television, you know, music, movies. It's just all over the place. And these people are literally as I said once before, spitting and showing their fist to God. They're spitting in his face or at his face, and they're, they're raising their fist to him in defiance. And then they want us to accept them as they are against our moral standards. Not going to happen, Captain. Let me tell you, not going to happen. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 to 10, we read this. If we say that we have no sin... This goes back to what I just said about, you know, I won't accept God who does not accept me as I am, so forth and so on. So, you know, they're going to tell you they don't have no sin. Hey, there's nothing wrong with what I'm doing, especially when they turn around and use the line also, eh, you know, he's doing it. Guess what? My mom used to say, if John Doe jumps off the bridge, you're going to go with him. In other words, you know, figure it out. Make the right choice. Just because everybody's going that way, don't think it's the way to go. All right? So I go on. 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I want you to understand that he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when we pass away, when we die, and we go up into heaven because we're believers, all right, all the times that we asked for forgiveness and we repented of our sins, he forgave us and cleansed us from that unrighteousness. It ends with verse 10 by saying, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. There's so many people that go, God is love and Jesus loves you and all this kind of stuff. And I've, I, you know, I've talked about that before. That's the absolute truth. You're right. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. Beautiful song, right? But here's the thing. God's a righteous God. He's a holy God. There is no sin. There cannot be any sin. We need to be 
as the scripture above that I just read, we need to be washed clean by Jesus' blood, satisfied through the blood of his son. That's how we become righteous, not by our own acts and our own works. You're right, God loves you. But there's a lot of people who God loved that are in hell because they would not repent of their sin. I know so many that, I, and it, it saddens me so, so deep to know that when they passed away, they were a great and terrific person. They, they donated to charities. They were always kind and considerate. They had a, you know, unending compassion for people, all these kinds of things. Some of them were just everyday people and others were famous people. The problem is they never, never made that decision for Christ like it, it should have been, the way the scriptures tell us. And unfortunately, those people are regretting that mistake for eternity. The future judgment we will experience is a matter of choice. So it's all about what we, what we do here. We can, because once we're, <laughs> once we pass from here to there, there, you can't make the choice. It's now. So we can choose the judgment seat of Christ where we will be rewarded for what we have done in and for his name, or we can choose the great white throne judgment where everything we have ever done will be measured against God's holiness and written word. Then the book of life, remember I talked about that book, will be searched for your name. And if it's not there, you will be cast into the lake of fire. Let me stop. I made a mistake there. The, that book of life is God's book of life. I'm, I, I said, you know, remember the book of life and, you know, everything about you is in there. This is the book of life. In other words, if you're, like I just said, if your name's not in that book, you're cast into the lake of fire. Now, just for the record, judgment day is coming for everyone. And in this light, we must choose which judgment awaits us. This is where the choices are made. Will it be the one where you stand before Jesus and have your works rewarded? Remember, I've been talking about that. Or the one where you stand before the maker of heaven and earth and all his holiness and righteousness and have your actions judge against his holy standards. You know, if you haven't made that choice yet, make it today. Of all the decisions and choices that you have to make, you know, in any given day, and I know there's many, and with the way the world is, there's so many other things going on that you've got to make choices about. Make this choice your priority. Because trust me, all those other choices will mean absolutely nothing when you stand before the Lord after you pass away. After you've died and you left this world, there's eternity. But are you going to be in heaven and, you know, great happiness and so forth and so on and joy? Or are you going to be suffering and in hell? And there's no release from hell. There's no, oh, I made a mistake. You know, like I said, no, you got to make the choice here. The choice to believe God and have righteousness, have righteousness accounted to you, is the, it's the only way to have your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So one more time, make that decision today. I thank you, everybody, for listening. I appreciate all the support. And uh, if you want to email me and 
tell me what you're thinking or so forth, then you can do that. Let's talk Mike one at gmail.com. That's let's talk M I K E the number one at gmail.com. God bless everybody. Please be safe and be careful. And don't forget today is the day. I'll talk to you later. God bless. Goodbye.